we have a big word for the start of this year. 2023, a divine setup. It's like the Lord's pulling back the curtain and saying, if I really am your God, if you are a true follower, true disciple of mine, it doesn't matter what's happened to you in the past. It doesn't matter what's happening to you in the present. I'm in control. I'm in control and I will work all things together for good. He will use whatever is going on, has gone on, is going on in our lives, will go on in our lives. If we're truly following him, he's in control and he will turn things for good. (laughs) Praise God. What the enemy plans for evil, our God will turn for good. And the thing is, the enemy always plans trouble, doesn't he? He's a schemer. Jesus said he's been a murderer and a thief from the beginning. He hasn't changed. Uh, Leopard can't change his spots. The enemy doesn't change because he doesn't want to change. He's hell-bent on on destruction. But it kind of explains why bad things happen. People sometimes ask that question, don't they? Why do bad things happen to good people? And I think even a more important question is, why do bad things happen to God's people? And the answer to that is we have an enemy of our souls who is out to steal, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, we know these words well, and what a comfort and what faith-inspiring words they are. I have come that they may have life. Sorry, Ellie, that isn't a slide. I thought it was. I have come that they may have life. And we need that every day of our lives. But particularly when we're going through trouble, when we're going through some sort of test or challenge. Because there's times when he delivers us from something. The Lord mercifully just does something to reorder circumstances and it's removed. It's taken from us, we're delivered from it. But you know, there are so many times, aren't there, where we have to go through. And sometimes the only way out is through. You'll know this verse well, but we're going to look at Psalm 23 and verse 4. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now look, we all go through things which are just not fair, do we not? People mistreat us, people let us down, we have all kinds of trouble in our circumstances. And I'm just going to share briefly uh, some extremely testing things that have happened in my life. When I was 17, my dad was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. To say that was a shock and a, and a heart-wrenching thing, um, I can't give it words, really. Um, in my 30s, I married, believing as everybody does for a happily ever after. And sadly, after 12 years together, we separated. It was never my choice, and I was heartbroken. I felt like my world had fallen apart um, I couldn't eat, I couldn't sleep. I shook physically for the first few weeks. Within nine months, my mum had passed away. 
I was still so fragile. And yet, the Lord has rebuilt me. And I'm going to share a bit of that story. But I know pain, and I know battle, and I know loss, as some of you here do, in the extreme, and some of you watching online. And there are times when we are a victim. There's no two ways about it. Bad stuff happens and it hurts and it harms us, actually. But although we are a victim at times, the challenge is not to think of ourselves as a victim, not to go on through life with this victim mentality. Because do you know what? If you carry on with this victim mentality, you lose, but you keep on losing. It's like an open wound, a deep open wound that keeps on bleeding. Jesus is a healer like no other. Psalm 147 verse 3 says, I heal the brokenhearted, I bind up their wounds. And let me tell you, he does a miraculous job when we let him, when we go to him. The hardest places can be the lifting places. And I know there's some of you here that know that full well because of your own stories and your own experiences. The very hardest, darkest places, if we go through it with him, they can be the lifting places. You lose your self-strength and your self-confidence and all the self-stuff, but you lay hold of his And so we all go through different kinds of trouble, and it's how we go through that matters. How we react when we're really in the thick of it, tested to the core. And we're going to look at Joseph. We're just going to catalogue some of the awfulness, really, that happened to him. For starters, he was thrown in a pit by his jealous brothers. He then was sold as a slave. He lost his privileges. He lost his freedom. He was put into prison for 13 years where he did a favor to the butler. I was thinking uh, butcher baker, candlestick maker. It's not that. It's the butler and the baker. He interpreted their dreams. And he said to the butler, who was going to be reinstated, taken out of prison, reinstated. He said, just do me this kindness. Remind Pharaoh I'm in here. Butler forgot about him. In a way, it's almost the worst one of all. He was forgotten about. And time went on. And so every day, Joseph would have had to fight that victim mentality. He had many reasons to think of himself as a victim, but he refused it. He He must have refused to rehearse all the negatives that had happened to him. He held fast to God. He held fast to that dream thinking to himself, this is not the end of the story because God has spoken. God has told me it's going to be different. He believed in the faithfulness of God. God is able and God is faithful. God is able to get me out of here and he will. No one can stop God. Nothing that has happened to you and I can stop our destiny. No person, no circumstance can ruin your life. They don't have that much power. If they had, they would be bigger than God, and they are not. The only person that can stop the plan of God is you and me. Really, if we let the negatives win, if we kind of 
just come under that self-pity and even resentment or unforgiveness, that's how we stop the plan of God. And you just end up in a pit, really, like Joseph, in a terrible state. Things never get better that way. They just get worse and worse. But, oh, the good news is, uh, I was looking at Psalm 62, and it says, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before him. There's, there's times when all you can do is pour out. It's one thing to pour out to another person, but it's quite another thing to pour out to God. Pour out your heart before him. And it says, God is a refuge for us. There is, there's rehabilitation in the presence of God. That's my testimony. When you sit with his word in his presence, he rebuilds you. And when I was first separated, I literally lived in Psalm 23 for months. Every verse spoke volumes to me. It was like it, was like it had been written just for me, <laughs> just for that circumstance, that time in my life. And, and it's a precious thing, but it became a helmet of salvation to me. It got my thinking straightened out because I chose to believe it. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There's a table laid with every good thing for every negative I think or feel or face. There's the antidote from God. I just got to go and get it. Choose to believe it. Pastor Colin had a word for me from Jeremiah 31. It was also oh, such a help because I believed it. And it actually says, um, you've survived the sword. You found grace in the wilderness. With everlasting love, I've loved you. I've drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you, and you will be rebuilt. And I have been. I've been rebuilt by the word and by the spirit because I've chose, chosen to believe him. And what I know from other people's stories, but it's so great when you know it yourself, isn't it? He always brings us out better. You know, you go in one way, but you're be brought out better. He's a miracle, really a miracle redeemer and restorer. To say he's restored my soul is such an understatement. It's like, I, was th- I watch a lot of um, property development programs, grand designs and things like that. And it's like I was a dilapidated old bungalow, do you know what I mean? But on the same site, he just got bulldozed, ground zero, and now five-star show home. Not to me be the glory. To him be the glory. You know, my blessing, but to him be the glory. Through the, the awful stuff that's happened, I now have a testimony in the power and the ability of God to absolutely rebuild from really ground zero, to rebuild, to restore and to set back on track. And you know, he will take the good. No, no, he'll take the bad and turn it for good. And each bad thing that happened to Joseph, actually, was another step towards his destiny. He wasn't taken out. He had to go through. But each step was another step towards his destiny. In the prison, it looked like the enemy had won. I'm sure he certainly felt like the enemy had won. But he wasn't in the hands of the prison officer. He wasn't in Pharaoh's hands. He knew he was in God's hands. That was the difference. Everything looked bad, but on the inside, he knew. I'm in God's hands. Nothing can make us a victim if we don't want to be. 
you know, no person, no circumstance. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So he is. And so we we got to think God's thoughts. we got to think what he says, believe what he says about us. And it really does become a helmet of salvation. If you will receive with meekness, it says in James, the implanted word, it is able, has the power within it to save your soul, to deliver you from trouble. And what I've learned over the years is a key, really, that it's really important to ask myself the question quite regularly, what am I thinking about right now? You know, if I start to dip down or start to get a bit discouraged, it's not long before I find the source. If I ask myself the question, well, what are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? It's very good also to help others with that. You know, if somebody goes a bit quiet on you, a little bit distant. Don't just, oh, you know, they're having one of those days. Are you doing all right? You got something on your mind? How are you? Do you know what I mean? Bring light in the darkness. The enemy always operates in darkness. And so it's very good to almost break that cycle of negativity that they might be starting to believe and say, are you okay? What are you thinking about right now? What's on your mind? Psalm 37 verses 1 to 4 says this. Do not fret or be anxious because of evildoers, those who don't follow God, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And then it goes on, delight yourself also in the Lord. He will give you the desires of your heart. But the bit I want to focus on, if you could flip it back to verse 3, thank you. It's what we feed on. It's so important that we feed on the right things. The enemy loves to get us feeding on disappointment. I know this. It just starts with the one. And if we allow disappointment and we kind of just feed on that, it's like a gateway into a whole host of other negatives because disappointment quite quickly leads to discouragement. And if we keep going on that same track far enough, almost like the next level, is despair. Despair is the worst thing of all because it means to be without a way, to be without away. Jesus said, I am the way, didn't he? In, in John, I am the way, the truth and the life. The way isn't a road. It's not a journey. It's not even the answer that you're searching for. The way is a person and his name is Jesus. We are never without a way. Isn't that just amazing? I love the simplicity of that. We don't have to work everything out. We shouldn't be trying to work everything out. Jesus is the way. And we might know what that way is, but we know him and God knows the way. And so we lift our hands, we lift our voices and we pray. Jesus, you're the way. You make a way where there seems to be no way. Right now, there seems to be no way. It all looks like dead ends and closed doors to me. 
It feels very uncomfortable right now, but you know the way and you are able and you are faithful to turn this for good. And you start to feed on his faithfulness, feed on the good things. You know, thank him for the good things you do have. Thank you, Lord, for delivering me from this. Thank you, Lord, for providing me with that. And, you know, some of your circumstances may be challenging. For example, you may be sick at the moment, but you don't have financial problems. Praise him for that. Or you may have financial problems, but you're well. You feel you've got strength. You feel well in your body. Well, thank you, Lord, I'm healthy. Thank you, Lord, I've got strength in my body. You may have problems at work. People may be treating you badly or, or overlooking you, not giving you the promotion you believe is right and fair. I don't know, whatever it may be, just trouble in circumstances at work. But you've got a good family. You've got friends who love you. Well, praise God for that. Do you know what I mean? There's always something we can be thankful about. And if honestly and genuinely you look at your whole life and do an assessment and think, I genuinely have nothing to be thankful for right now. Everything is just absolutely awful. You know? Look, you know God. You're saved. You know the one for whom nothing is too difficult. He could do an absolute MOT on your life and turn everything for good. Make everything new. We were singing it earlier. He can. He's an expert at it. Our job is to pray and trust. Pray and trust him to work. There's this amazing and wonderful scripture in Nahum, not a typical book we refer to, but Nahum 1 verse 7 says, the Lord is good. Somebody just needs to hear that this morning. The Lord is good. The trouble you're going through is not from him because he is good. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knows those who trust in him. I love that. I love that. He knows hearts. He reads minds. He knows our thoughts from afar. Psalm 139 says he knows those who trust in him. And so if, like Joseph really, we will behave in a royal way when we're going through the thick of it, in the midst of it, stand and believe, stand and declare the promises of God. He's faithful and he's able. And I want to share this verse with you. I was, it was when I was praying for PJ a few weeks ago. I came across this in um, Psalm 103. And it starts, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. It does us good to remember that. Because the enemy always wants to make us think he has the upper hand and he's bossing it. Well, no, no. You can't boss God and because I'm under him, you can't boss me. He's Lord of my life and his kingdom rules over all. The next verse says, Bless the Lord, you, his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word. It was this line, heeding the voice of his word. The angels here, I don't want to get off sidetracked onto angels because we're not to be focused on angels but focused on Jesus. But they are real creative beings. They have power and ability. It's limited because they're created. But still they have supernatural power and ability. And when they hear the voice of God's word spoken through his saints on the earth, they move. 
God says, go. That one's standing. That one's believing in the face of all this trouble and trouble and stress and strife and unfairness and bad treatment. They're believing. They're still believing. And they're speaking. Go. And I think that's a powerful thing. Psalm 91 says he gives his angels charge over us to keep us in all our ways. They're ministers to the heirs of salvation. They are busy, active on earth, bringing the will of God to those who will stand and declare his word. So we do our part, he he does his part. But it's so important, vitally important, we go through our days with a consciousness of him and praying and trusting him. You will know these verses well. I know they're many people's favorites, but I'm just going to share them. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know, if you were sitting in a room with somebody, just the two of you, you'd, you know, like a, a waiting room, dentists, doctors, you'd at least acknowledge them. Good morning, good afternoon, you all right? Do you know what I mean? There'll be something. If you're a decent person, you don't ignore. And yet Jesus is with us all the time, through the days and the nights. Acknowledge him, he'll direct your paths. It goes on. In a minute, (laughs) it will go on. Right, well, I'll tell you what it says. It says, fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength. Okay, do not be wise in your own eyes. That's a really important part, right? Don't be so wise in your own eyes that you you are your own problem solver. We need God, people. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart like Joseph. Flee from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. If you want to be healthy and strong, depart from evil fear God. But the Amplified, I picked up the Amplified. I love the Amplified translation of it. It actually says, fear of God is health to your nerves. I thought, oh my goodness, how much help do I need with my nerves? You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but many days my nerves need some help. There's so many things that we can get stressed and anxious about. But God says, don't do it. Fear me, Honor me, pray to me. I'm a stronghold in the day of trouble. I'm with you. You don't have to fear any evil. But but do that. Acknowledge him. Do him the honor of going to him first. He may well tell you to go and talk to somebody else about whatever it is you're praying about. But do him the honor of going to him first in prayer. At all times pray, the scripture says. The minute we have a problem, pray. The minute someone else has a problem, pray any time, any place. What a privilege we have as children of God. It's so great and so vital to have you set aside time, your quiet place. But out on the street, driving in the car, we can pray. We can pray. Hand things over. All of the goodness of God is available to us. He so wants to make every one of us show homes of his goodness, of his power, of his ability to trump every plan of the enemy and bring us out on top, outwitting the enemy. My goal for 2023, it's really simple. (laughs) 
and it is to live by faith. Not by my senses. You know, it says walk by faith, not by sight, doesn't it? And it's so tempting to live by the senses. Everything we feel and see and hear and, you know. And the thing is, I do live by faith in some things, some of the time, as you do. But really my goal for 2023 is to live by faith in everything all the time. Not just to kind of visit it. But, but live like that. I mean, why wouldn't we have that as a goal? Isaiah 26, 3, you'll know this one as well. He will keep in perfect peace. Perfect peace. The one whose mind is fixed on him. You know the next bit? Because he trusts in him. What a benefit Everybody in the world is looking for peace. Everybody in the world is looking for solutions to their problems. We know the problem solver. And we know the one who can give peace that this world can't give. People find peace very temporarily in this world. It's kind of an intermittent thing. Never lasts. We know the one who can give lasting peace. And an unnatural and reasonable peace. Because everything in your circumstances tells you you shouldn't be at peace right now. But we can. We can have peace in the storm like Jesus. Asleep with his head on the pillow in in a boat, you know. Peace. Peace is one of the benefits of believing. But I want to talk about the suddenlies, right? Suddenly things changing. Because I'm in faith for that this year as well. Not just peace to take me through, but peace to take me through until, boom, suddenly something's changed. Things are looking very different. The day, really, when after a long wait, God shows up. And so many times we have to wait. You know, sometimes we do get quick answers to prayer. San and I prayed a prayer of agreement on Monday when PJ was going into hospital. We found out that the operating times were between 1 and 6. And San phoned me and she said, look, it's like this. And we agreed, let's agree in prayer. She's not going to have to wait till 6 o'clock. Please, please, Lord, no. Anyway, we prayed it. And then I don't know whether it was even in the phone call she had the text. Or moments later, she had a text from PJ. I'm going in at 2 o'clock. Oh, thanks, God. Thanks, Lord. That was a quick answer. But so many times we have to wait don't we? But you know, we need to wait in faith. Okay, Lord, there's a reason for this. I can't see it right now because as far as I'm concerned, this should happen months, if not years ago. But he's never late. He's never a moment late, but he's not very often early. That's what I've learned. Never, never have I, if I think about it, never have I thought, oh, that took me by surprise. I wasn't expecting that for at least another six months. No, but he's never late. Why is that then? Because he's growing us in faith. It's this word maturity. We've been speaking about being ripe cheeses, right? He's wanting to do something in us, basically, to form Christ in us, but it speaks in... 2 Corinthians 4, about the life of Christ manifested through us. And quite honestly, he, he speaks to us always through his word. But very often, it's a bit like children, we don't take him at his word, 
And we have to learn through experience. We have to learn through making mistakes, making wrong decisions, choosing the wrong things, behaving in the wrong way. And so I'm not saying God sends trouble, but I am saying he will allow circumstances to teach us that Christ may be formed and that this process of maturity will happen in us really on the inside. So like that alabaster jar, broken life of Christ can flow out. And in Romans 5 verses 1 to 4, it says this. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, whom also we, we have access by faith. Oh, it's this word, isn't it? It's wonderful, but I'm going to unravel it for my own sake, if not yours. We have access by faith into this grace. By faith, we can access every good thing that Jesus has paid for. The unearned, undeserved favor and power of God in our lives to turn things around. Okay, we access that, all of that grace by faith. It goes on. Verse 3. And not only that, oh my gosh, this has got to be the voice of maturity, right? But we also glory in tribulations. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm learning. I'm learning to get there. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. And it goes on to say it's the kind of hope that doesn't disappoint. Because God is good. He will change the temporary. He will turn things for good. But from his perspective, zoom out into the eternal, heavenly perspective. What's even more important than our temporary changes coming good is that the character of Christ is formed in us so that the life of Christ can flow through us. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18 says this. Ha, this is an eternal perspective. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. We always think it's working against us, but wake up and see from God's perspective, this is working for you. And exceed a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory, temporary trouble for eternal reward. Oh my goodness, let's get that if nothing else this morning. I'd rather have the temporary trouble. Eternal doesn't stop. Eternal means it goes on and it on and on and on. It doesn't end. I'd rather it that way around, wouldn't you? Eternal weight of glory. The next bit, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, short term. But the things which are not seen, they're eternal. The Lord used this verse to call me into ministry in the first place many, many years ago. And actually, it was through the car accident that happened with my dad. It was a pivot point for me. It made me realize, oh, my goodness, life can... He was 42 when he died. It's no age, is it? And it made me realize, whilst we believe for a long life, none of us really know. Do you know what I mean? So I'm going to use whatever I've got now to live for things of eternal value and to help others do the same. That's my goal. 
And so in the midst of trouble, in the midst of the momentary light affliction, which certainly never feels light at the time, we can offer a sacrifice of praise. Hebrews tells us. Offer. And why is it a sacrifice? Because it really costs you. It's one thing to praise God when everything's going good and everything's fine and oh, you're on top of the world and all your circumstances are dandy. That rarely happens if we're honest. Well, not for a long time. There's always some sort of fly in the ointment, fox spoiling the vine, call it what you want, trouble from the enemy, but offer a sacrifice of praise. Why? Because God is God. He'll change the temporary, but also what is going on in you is producing something so precious, so valuable, so lasting, of eternal weight and value. Significance that will go on. You're quite quiet, and I'm not surprised. I think I would be if I was listening to this. But God will change the temporary. He will, because he's good, and he loves us. No good thing will he withhold from him whose walk is upright. But the eternal things, they're so much more important. And I think we need to zoom. So often we get so glued on the promise and the temporary thing changing that we forget actually what has more value, which is what he's doing in us in the waiting Anyway, there are suddenlies, praise God. In the here and now, there's suddenly things change. Acts 16. I'm going to give you a bit of background before actually we go to it. Paul and Silas have been going around like Jesus, doing good, and they've been bugged by this fortune teller. Just, she kept just, it actually says in Acts 16, Paul being greatly annoyed. Another translation says, being vexed by this woman. He turns around and says, in the name of Jesus to the demonic power operating behind her ability, get out. And those, she was a slave woman, and those who owned this woman realized they could not get any money out of her anymore. She'd lost her, lost her supernatural power to tell fortunes. So they were greatly annoyed as well. And we're going to uh, cut into the story, Acts 16, verse 20. They brought them to the magistrates and said, these men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Roman, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose together against them, and the magistrates, this is surprising, tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. I think in their culture that must mean we are absolutely at the end of our tether, this is extreme, you've got to do something. They were beaten with rods. Next verse, when they'd laid many stripes on them, they threw them into, threw them into prison commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Midnight speaks of a dark time. Midnight really speaks of, ah, Looks like all hope's gone. You know, one day's about to turn into another. Nothing's changed. Everything's the same. And they were in the inner prison, and their feet were in stocks, and everything would have been dark and depressing. But Paul and Silas, although they were in the dark, although every natural circumstance was grim, you know, they were not depressed. They were praying and singing praise to God. Their focus was not on the stocks and the fact that their feet couldn't move. Their sight was lifted higher 
because God was in control. Yes, they were in prison. Yes, it was dark. Yes, it was stinky. Yes, they'd been treated unfairly. But they were still praising God and singing hymns to him. Verse 26. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Think of it. And everyone's chains were loose. Well, if that's not a divine setup, I don't know what is. God breaks in. They had faith in God. They were singing praises to God. And despite their circumstances, there was a suddenly, God broke in. Things suddenly changed. Now, I want to go back to another man in another prison in another time, Joseph, Genesis 41, We're nearly finished. Verse 14. He had his own suddenly. Thirteen years he was in prison. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and came to Pharaoh. Oh, my goodness. That would have been a shocking day. Suddenly, everything's changed. Suddenly, it looks like what God said is absolutely working out today. Wow. And I believe there are... Many of us here that are going to have a suddenly, but we need to believe it. And we need to give thanks for it. And like Joseph, hold on to that. He shows himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. I'm going to finish with Psalm 27, verse 13. You know this well. I would have lost heart. Many of us have been tempted to. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of of the Lord in the land of the living, not the other side. Praise God for the other side when everything will be shock and awe. But the goodness of God on this side. And he is wanting to restore hearts. I would have lost heart. He didn't, but he so easily could have. But he didn't because he believed. He would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And God is about restoring faith that he is good a stronghold in the day of trouble. God is good. He will take care of you. He will take care of whatever it is that is troubling you. And he will work things for good, turn things for good. He is the God of the turnaround. If we allow him really to work in us, it is the making of us. It's hard when you go through. But if you go through with him, oh my goodness, There's no good thing that he can't do and won't do. For our good, but also for the good of many. You know, what happened to Joseph, my gosh, it brought deliverance to so many. And what happens when we go through trouble with him him, and allow him to work in our lives, what he does in us, he can then do through us. He gives us the faith and the compassion to do for other people. Sadly, because, because of the devil, because we do have an enemy, and because of other people's flesh that's wide open to the temptations and tactics of the enemy, we go through many of the same problems that non-believers do. Marriage issues, health issues, other kinds of relational issues, money issues. So many challenges, but Psalm 34 says, many 
are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Come on. Yes, he's worth some praise at that point. If we will reach for him and find him, we, look, I'm going to do a Pastor Judith and do a rhyming thing. If we will reach for him and find him, we have a story for his glory. We do. That speaks of the goodness and the power of God to bring us out on top. But more than that, to then give us the position that will benefit so many others. Extend his kingdom. Extend his kingdom. Let's stand. I said to the Lord when I was preparing the message this week, Lord, okay, I know this is about not adopting and keeping a victim mentality, but what do you want to actually do through the message? And he gave me a picture of this person that, I don't know whether it was a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, but just this person that was huddled up at the side of a racetrack. They'd been so hurt And so wounded, all they could do was kind of get in fetus position and protect themselves. And he said, what I want to do is to get those people, I believe it's more than one, those people up on their feet again, that they will put their running shoes on again and rejoin the race, my race, the only race worth running in this life to win the prize. Trouble and bad experience can trip us. Other people can trip us and we fall. And it can stop us running for him. And what happens is we kind of sit down at the sidelines and lick our wounds. But you know, it's the very worst thing to do is to stop running your race because you get focused on yourself and the troubles and everything goes downhill from that point. It's like the enemy throws problems and the enemy throws challenge. And sometimes it can be extreme. And then he points the finger at God. Well, let me tell you this morning, God didn't send it. God didn't do it. So I want to urge you, if that's you this morning, if you know, well, even if you're not curled up in a ball, you've taken your running shoes off. Believe in Christ in you again. Stand and make the decision today because you can. Everything can change in a day. Everything can change in a moment. I'm going to run my race. We're going to finish with Philippians 3. If I could invite the team forward, Philippians 3. We're going to read through these amazing verses. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected. We're all in process, are we not? It's maturity process. I'm not there yet. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind, reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Every one of us has a race to run. I can't run your race, you can't run my race. They're unique to us. We're gifted and graced to run the race that he set for us on earth. But my gosh, it doesn't happen with a casual attitude. You've got to pr- it kind of doesn't happen like this. You've got to press. There's got to be a forward intention and determination, really. I press into that because I'm not just here to be blessed. Oh my gosh, no good thing will he withhold. He's a good father. He's a generous father. Seek first his kingdom. 
you won't be able to contain the blessing. But I'm not just here to be blessed. You know, so often, well, not so often now, but uh, years ago I used to go to functions where people would raise a glass and say health, wealth, and happiness. Health, wealth, and happiness. Is that not what every person in the world wants? God will give all three. But we're here for more than that. We're here to run his race, to be blessed, but gosh, to extend his kingdom while we're here. For as long as we're on this terra firma, I'm here for him. I'm here for you to bring your kingdom through me in whatever way you choose. So we're going to pray. I just want you to close your eyes. You know how you need to respond this morning. You know, if, if there's forgiveness needs to happen, so often the thing holding us back can be unforgiveness, offense, resentment. It's what's happened to you. If you need to forgive, please do it. God can't and won't forgive you unless you forgive. Just make the decision and say, I choose to forgive whoever it is. Or whoever they are. I'm forgetting that. Like the Lord does. I'll remember their sins no more. I'm putting them behind me. You know sometimes things are so bad. We have to do it multiple times. As many times the enemy brings it back to mind. You forgive again. But please take my advice. And forgive as many times as you need to. Never leave it unforgiven. Always take it off the account with forgiveness. Then you're not bound by it. So do the forgiveness bit, but also just say, Lord, I'm going to run again. I'm going to make the choice to run again. In this vision I saw when this person got up and put their running shoes on, it's like they weren't healed at that point, but as they started to run, they were healed. Just the very choice decision to get back on the race course and run again for Jesus in that process they were healed and I tell you he heals like no other heals the brokenhearted binds up their wounds does a job of restoration that no human hand no human counselor could or can and so just tell him tell him I'm rejoining if you've been running but have got weary Oh, those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Lord, I pray for that. I pray if there's any weariness here, that you will strengthen. Strengthen these people, Lord. Thank you, there's supernatural strength. There's times of refreshing in your presence. And there's a supernatural strength that we can actually feel in our physical bodies and know in our souls. Strengthen your people today, I pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.